Listening to 90.7 FM KLX. I'm Franklin, and this is Berkeley Rocks. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. I'm Charles Lee. Coming up on today's show, we'll be discussing current developments in the world of science. In addition, we'll be joined by Diane Daniels, who will tell us about power Pilates. Also joining us is Mary Carey, who will be talking about her bid for the governorship. So stay tuned for all this, plus the world-famous question of the week coming right up here on Berkeley Rocks. I'm Franklin. And I guess that makes me Charles Lee. How you doing, Frank? Not too bad, not too bad. Excellent, excellent. So, How's the uh, recall going? The recall, I think, is trudging along quite well uh, on the program. Hopefully we'll be hearing from <laughs> some people to talk about that. What happened to uh, Gary Coleman? <laughs> My vote has always been for Gary Coleman. In fact, the whole Facts of Life crew, I think, should be, uh, you know, Some in of office. those different strokes, right? <laughs> it takes different strokes to, to rule the <laughs> state, at least. But yeah, so what about the Grox campaign? The Grox campaign still chugging along? Well, I have a different proposal this week. Oh, okay. Uh, remember that story they had a few weeks ago about uh, forming market to bet whether a terrorist attack would right, happen or Right, right. Uh, you, could, you could actually invest money to see whether or not there'd be a... So there's been a lot of discussion generated. Of course, um, you know, on the surface, it seems like this really grotesque right. look at humanity. But a lot of scientists are examining this idea and how you can use information science. This is mm-hmm. mostly information science to analyze what events will occur in the future or not. Well, I mean, uh, I think people have been saying that uh, this idea probably would be a very good predictor of, of future terrorist events. Actually, the, um, the emphasis of this program is not on terrorist activity itself, but more on the, uh, the civil, the military, and the, uh, the governmental um, status of you know, certain nations around mm-hmm, the world. Mm-hmm. And terrorists is only a small part of that. Right. Uh, this program is actually similar to one that's being sponsored at the University of Iowa, in which they predict the the election outcomes, the pre- right. presidential right. outcomes, and they've been very, very accurate. Right. Very successful, in fact, because everyone knows that I was the predictor of most things. Uh, well, amazing. So, uh, our, you know, it's sort of been. Uh, can't right now, though, this whole uh, yeah, program, which is unfortunate. Uh, unfortunate, but uh, a lot of people want to reopen some discussion because yeah. there might be some very useful information from these studies. Um, I, I guess the whole idea is that if you have a market, then you have uh, many, many traders, and probably the noise will cancel out. Right. Whatever the outcome that they have right. will rise above the noise of the data. Right, right. Well, it's it's extremely chaotic, so I can imagine that you know sometimes you get noise amplification and, yeah. and unwieldy outcomes, but who knows? Yeah. All right, cool. If you want to read uh, more about this, uh, you can go to the DARPA website of the Pentagon. They're probably keeping a low profile on it right now, <laughs> but uh, 
Okay. No, look it up. Look it up. All right, moving on from uh, talking about terrorists to talking about Buzalas. 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 Buzalas and Methuselahs. Wow, you sound biblical today, dude. I'm, I'm trying to be. It's uh, it's the reading from uh, the book of... <laughs> the Two Commandments. That's right, Vineyards 316. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave man wine. Wine. Wine, wine to extend his life. Wow, wine to extend life. That's right. Well, people have known for quite some time that wine has an extending effect, perhaps, on... Uh, the red seven. wine, right? Red wines, yeah, because they contain these polyphenols. And... No, the French were right after all. The French were <laughs> right, and it, it's it's funny because this does affect the French paradox of, like, why they can eat such fatty things like, you know, fondue and yet right. still maintain mm-hmm. healthy lifestyle. Uh, but a group of researchers have been looking at this, trying to actually find uh, which polyphenols, which compounds are actually... Ah. responsible for this. Mm -hmm. And what they've done is they've uh, narrowed it down and uh, come up with a few candidates. In particular, one is called resveratol. Resveratol. Yes, resveratol. Uh And apparently what this thing does is it extends the life of yeast cells uh, by activating a particular gene called SIR2. And when they tested this in human cultured cells, it also extends the life of these cells in culture. Wow, so it actually influences the gene expression right. at, the, at the molecular level then. Right, right. Well, there's certain genes that are actually involved in uh, the regulation of the life cycle of cells. Right. And so the SIRT1, SIRT1 in humans anyway, huh. is one of those. I see. I always thought it was the polyphenol somehow like it's resist an the, the UV light or something. Cause it, oh, it like, may, like antioxidant. Yeah, something. antioxidant properties. Hmm. I mean, that might be part of it, but it's actually, uh, they suggest uh, involved in gene expression, gene regulation. Wow, that's that interesting. Kind of yeah. Uh, so it's quite fascinating, and uh, you can run down and start uh, drinking that wine. Check it up. Yeah. One caution from uh, Richard Weinrich of the University of Wisconsin is that uh, you have to be very cautious when you make leaps between yeast and humans. A little different as far as what kind of cells they are. Yeah. But uh, he says, you know, it's probably a pretty good thing. So if people want to read more about this, it's in one of our favorite journals, Nature. Nature. Speaking of yeast, do you know what killed the Pillsbury Doughboy? (laughs) I I didn't know the Pillsbury Doughboy was dead. Oh, my God. Antibiotics, dude. Oh, that that would probably do it. I thought it was probably a low-fat diet might have done it. So here's a segue, actually. Oh, that was a segue. Okay. <laughs> the WHO. Oh, oh, yeah, we're talking about yeast. <laughs> the World Health Organization wants to limit antibiotics as growth promoters. Oh, really? So it turns out in uh, industrialized nations, they use antibiotics so that it allows farmers to cramp in more cows, pigs, and other animals right. into uh, into dirtier spaces and let them, you know, right. survive more. Right. But they also have the side effect of, uh, as a growth hormone, it makes them grow faster and larger. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. So um, not very popular these days, and uh, some people worry that there may be some, you know, health effects of these hormones going into the, the human organism after it, right. it gets consumed. Ah, are, are they also worried about, uh, I guess, antibiotics? Resistance uh, being formed, I guess, by using overusing these uh, these drugs. Well, there's a there's a very recent report you can go on the uh, WHO website that talks more extensively okay. about this. It turns out the American Meat Institute strongly disagrees with this report. <laughs> Gee, I, I wonder why. I, I would think they would be very receptive to these ideas. So uh, yeah, if anyone wants more, just uh, look up WHO and uh, antibiotics.
Okay, and uh, have you ever tried to put antibiotics on a uh, single silicon chip? Uh, no. With yeast and the Pillsbury Doughboy? I think that would kill them. I <laughs> could do something. I really have no response to the Pillsbury Doughboy segue, so that's that's the best I can do. Um, anyway, what we got here is a story about putting atoms in a particular spot on a silicon wafer. Wow, for what? Like coating a surface? Yeah, it's or for like uh, actually, yeah. So coating a surface or actually engineering particular patterns of uh, of you know, atoms on a, on a wafer. Right, right. I think this is one of the, uh, the main topics in nanotechnology, right? It is. It is a big uh, nanotechnologist's dream, perhaps even a wet dream of the nanotechnologist. <laughs> I don't know. If I were a nanotechnologist, maybe I'd be dreaming about it. But anyway, so what they do is, uh, uh, this is a big thing that they use with scanning telling microscopes. Uh-huh. They've been able to do this with metals, apparently, in right. which metals get dragged around very easily by these right. scanning telling microscopes. But it turns out that uh, putting atoms like phosphorus or uh, semiconductor materials is much harder because uh-huh. they just stick and they won't move around. So they've developed a whole new chemistry. Uh, this group, Stephen Schofield, Michelle Simmons, and colleagues at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, uh, where they've actually put hydrogen first on silicon. Okay done in chemistry where then they add in a phosphine-type molecule to the hydrogen. Okay. And then heat it all up, and the phosphorus and silicon atom switches in that spot. Wow. And actually replaces. So they've actually been able to put a just single... Just by heating it up. Just by heating it up. Oh, wow. And so they can put a single phosphorus atom in place of a silicon atom, just like that. Cool. Which is cool, and they can now pattern all kinds of really cool things. It's in the recent edition of the Physical Review Letters, and should be in stores, oh, I don't know, 500 years or so. <laughs> And that's all for a look at current developments in neuronal science this week. You're listening to Berkeley Grocks only here on 90.7 FM. Coming up, Diane Daniels will join us to tell us about her new book, Power Pilates. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Berkeley Grocks. Well, on the show, we're always exploring new and novel ways of maintaining and improving our health. Uh, joining us today is Diane Daniels, an instructor for Pilates 
a method for uh, maintaining health as well as improving uh, abdominal musculature. She's also the author of a new book, Power Pilates. Uh, Ms. Daniels, thanks for joining us on Berkeley Grox today. Thank you for asking me. So first of all, is it pronounced Pilates or Pilates? Pilates. And uh, where does it originate from? Uh, a man named Joseph Pilates developed the method in the early 1900s because he was a frail child and he wanted to build himself up, and that's how it started. And uh, what does this technique entail? Well, it's a full-body workout, but the main thrust is to work on your core, which is your abdominals and your back muscles. As you know, many people do have bad backs. In fact, about 80% of our population will suffer a back problem at some point in their lives. And very often, Pilates is recommended by doctors as a way to strengthen your back muscles and your abdominal muscles. Wouldn't you say a lot of these problems are actually from the posture rather than from the musculature? You mean the bad back scenario? Right. There are so many causes of uh, back problems, and if it is a problem dealing with muscles and muscle imbalances, then definitely Pilates can help. And um, how does this method differ from, say, you know, yoga or the Alexander Technique or Feldenkrais? That's a great question. It's hard to answer that in a few minutes, but I'll try. Pilates is a, a workout for your whole body. It's a real exercise program where you'll work your abdominals. You'll also tone your uh, legs, arms, and you'll uh, increase your flexibility. Yoga, there's, there's quite a bit of overlap with yoga. Yoga, of course, has been around a lot longer. It's mm -hmm. been around for thousands of years. And um, Alexander and Feldenkrais are more movement education rather than exercise programs. And Pilates, is this widely accepted from the uh, chiropractic community? Well, it's certainly getting a lot of popularity now in the fitness arena. You see many fitness clubs and YMCAs adding Pilates classes because uh, people, especially women but also men, are interested in toning their body without getting bulky muscles. And that's where Pilates can really do a good job. It tones you, it strengthens you, it improves your flexibility, but it doesn't give you bulky, built-up muscles. I see. I'm just curious, how did you get involved in Pilates? Well, I just uh, saw it being done in a, a health club, and this was a number of years ago, and I decided to try it. But I found it difficult, and um, I thought it was a little too fast and a little too much for dancers. And so the reason I wrote my book, Power Pilates, was to make Pilates more accessible to the average person because I give power it down options as well as power it up options for the people, person who is very athletic and very fit. And so I make Pilates very accessible to everyone, especially those who find Pilates difficult. Tell us a little bit more about your book. Is it possible to do Pilates uh, without a trainer and just a book, or would you still recommend getting a trainer for this? Well, if you follow the directions in my book very carefully, you can do this without a trainer. It's very detailed. I tell you what you need to be attending to in every part of your body for every single exercise. There are also fabulous pictures of the starting position and right, ending right. position. And I also give you lots of tips in the book for if you have difficulty, for example, a lot of people have difficulty just holding their legs up in the air. I give you tips to do that. I give you a movement sequence that will help you. So if you have any limitations or things have been difficult in the past, there are lots of different secrets in the book to help you get into those, po those movements and postures you haven't been able to get into before. Do you have any, like, anecdotes or success stories of people who've taken up Pilates? Well, the most common uh, comments I hear from my students 
is, um, you know, I used to have neck pain before I took this class, and all of a sudden my neck pain is gone. I notice how much my posture has improved. I notice how much more energy I have just throughout the day. So those are the common things I hear. I see. Um, for the average person, um, how much practice or uh, training do you need per week? Well, probably two or three times a week would be ideal. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, but the good thing about Pilates is you feel the difference after uh, just about the first time you do it. Done correctly, which is paying a lot of attention to what you're doing, mm-hmm. you notice and feel a difference right away. I guess we're running a little bit out of time here. Uh, are there any last comments you'd like to add? Well, I, I think Pilates is a wonderful, a, a complete, a total body exercise, and you don't even need any equipment. There is some equipment you can buy if you'd like, uh, little toys, what I call them. But basically, you can just do this on your floor in your living room and get a wonderful result without tons of expensive equipment. And uh, is there a videotape that goes along with the book? Not at this time. Thank you for asking, though. (laughs) (laughs) And it's available now, is that right? I believe that it's going to be on the bookshelves. If it's not already, it'll be on it very shortly. And then, of course, it'll also be available at Amazon.com. Great. Uh, Ms. Daniels, thanks for joining us on Berkeley Grox today. I appreciate very much you having me. And we were just talking to Diane Daniels about Pilates. Her new book, Power Pilates, is now available in bookstores. You're listening to Berkeley Grox here on 90.7 FM. Coming up, Mary Carey will join us to talk about her bid for the governorship. So stay tuned. to Berkeley Grox, only here on 90.7 FM KALX. Well, the California governor's race is heating up in more ways than one, and joining us today on Berkeley Grox to discuss her bid for the governorship is Ms. Mary Carey. Ms. Carey is the star of many pieces of adult entertainment and whose unique campaign can be found online at marycarey.com. Ms. Carey, thank you very much for joining us today on Berkeley Grox. Thank you for having me. Well, it's certainly a, a pleasure. So, uh, Ms. Carey, yours is certainly one of the uh, more high-profile and interesting campaigns of the race. Yes. 
And I'm just wondering if you can tell our listeners uh, why you've decided to run and what you hope to accomplish as governor. You know, I decided to run because um, a lot of times I watch the news and I, I see what's going on. I'm like, gosh, I could do it better. You know, I could do better. My ideas are better. Why not try it? So I thought, you know, having the recall, why not enter the race and get my ideas out there? Um, just because I've done adult movies doesn't mean I'm not smart. So, you know, I like to show everyone I'm smart and have great ideas, and this is just a perfect opportunity to do that. Okay, and uh, and what are some of your uh, your ideas? Well, you know, the first thing I want to do is legalize gay marriage, because by doing this, we'd increase tourism to the state of California, because there'd be more money coming into California um, if more people are coming here to get married and celebrate honeymoons here. Also, I'd like to uh, put a tax on breast implants. Okay. I think, you know, that would be uh, better than taxing cars, you know. Sure. Tax plastic surgery, which is a luxury item. Mm -hmm. Generally, you know, you're not going to spend your last couple thousand dollars on breast implants. So, uh, you know, if you're going to get breast implants, you should have a tax on them. I also would like to install webcams in the governor's mansion. That would be a great money-making opportunity for the state of California. If there are um, people, you know, it's like reality TV, you could see 24 hours a day what's going on in the governor's mansion, and people all over the world could give us money to the state of California. Uh, that, that certainly sounds uh, like uh, very innovative and uh, different ideas. Definitely creative. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, so why do you feel you're, you're qualified to... Uh to run as governor? You know, the main reason is um, I'm a good leader, which I think is always good. If you're a good leader, you know, people will follow you and listen to you, and that's something I definitely can do. I can definitely, you know, make people listen to me, make them watch me. I think I can add more interest into politics and everything. So, and that would qualify me. But I mean, I don't have an Ivy League education or anything. But the people who you know, have the so-called qualified politicians aren't doing a job. So that's why we're calling Gray Davis. Mm -hmm. So, uh, besides, I guess uh, the the obvious, uh, what do you think distinguishes you from uh, the other candidates that are running? Well, I think one thing is that you know I'm younger, and I think that I've got better ideas and. Um, I'm more fun, you know, everyone else thought tight, I'm fun, I, I can make politics fun, I can make kids more interested, because like I said, I'm fun, that's key. <laughs> well, I think uh, politics certainly needs a little bit of fun injected yeah, into it. Yeah, fun is key. Right. So, uh, on a more serious issue, an issue that's really of uh, concern to a lot of our listeners in the Bay Area, and uh, that they're concerned with, in, is the state of uh, the technology industry. Uh, you know, the Bay Area, as you know, is the home of a lot of recent technology innovations, and I'm curious what you, as governor, would do to encourage growth in the uh, technology industry. Well, I think that um, the key thing to, you know, increase growth in technology is that we need money to do different, you know, you, you need money to, like, test things out and to try things out. So, um, you know, first we have to get rid of the deficit, and then we, our state needs to start bringing in a lot of money so we can expand with, you know, technology. And... Um, that's one thing that, you know, like I said, the, the webcams will definitely just be pure profit for the state of California. Mm -hmm. And that's key, just raising more money and bringing more money to the state, increasing tourism, and decreasing people in the jail cells, I mean, decreasing violence so less money goes to putting people in jail and giving money to things like, you know, technology, which is great. So that's what I would do, just bring in money for the state. Well, we certainly hope uh, whoever's in, in office will be able to do that. Uh, well, we're running a little bit out of time here, and uh, I'm just wondering if you have any uh, final words for uh, the audience about your, your campaign. Yes, I do. If anyone wants to learn more about my platforms, I have a strictly political website, no naked pictures. <laughs> it's marycarryforgovernor.com, M-A-R-Y-C-A-R-E-Y-F-O-R, governor. Hopefully you can spell it. Uh -huh. <laughs> .com. And, um, you know, you can just learn about my political platforms or donate money, or you know, if you have $5,000 donation or more, we go on a date together, so that could be really Ooh, exciting. Hey, <laughs> there's an idea. Yeah. I don't think any of the uh, candidates are offering that there. No, I don't think so. So <laughs> it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Ms. Carey, uh, it certainly sounds like an interesting campaign, and we wish you the best of luck. Great. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
You were just listening to Ms. Mary Carey, adult entertainment star and candidate for the governorship of the great state of California. Berkeley Rocks invites all candidates interested in expressing their views to join us and discuss the issues, especially those involved in terminating the budget deficit. How about we tax porn? I, I couldn't agree more. That would be a great tax. And yeah, I mean, it is a luxury. I, you know, I'd be out of money if they did that, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's something I think we all have to put up with. If we want to pull California out of the state that it's in right now, <laughs> we, all, you know, we, all, we all do our share, tighten the belt a little bit more, or, mm-hmm, or in some mm-hmm. cases, loosen the belt. It, it all depends. Anyway, that was that was fun. Something different, I guess. <laughs> Something different. I I don't know. She might be a regular replacement to the everyday science lady, if you know what I mean. Well, she's also a real person, you know. <laughs> You're saying the everyday science lady is not a real person? I don't know. I thought she was computer generated. It, that almost sounds like it, but you know. In addition to the mechanical universe lady. <laughs> you know, computer generator or not, everyday science lady, I think you are still tops in my book. Mary, you're you're close, but you, you got a little work. Can work on it, right? Got 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 a little me more a little more synthetic. Not yeah. that you're not synthetic already, but. <laughs> All right, and in a few moments we're gonna find out how much hair the average person has. You're listening to Berkeley Rocks here on ninety point seven FM. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Berkeley Rocks. Well, unfortunately this week, our friend hair professor Dr. Einstein will not be able to join us, but he does send us this little remark for our quote of the week, and he says, The difference between stupidity and genius is that genius has its limits. Wow, he was a genius. All right, and here's the crazy Scotsman with the answer to last week's question of the week. Right now, and it's time for the answer to last week's question of the week. Aye, how much hair does an average human have in a body? Hey, we're Scots with hairy, but all oh, the average person has about five million hairs. Five million! Ah, that's really great. But if you shave them off, maybe you'll have a little less. And that's how many hairs you have. Oh, that sounds uh, pretty hairy, Mr. Scotsman. And now here's the uh, Tokyo Kid with uh, this week's question of the week. What is one calorie? If you know the answer or just think you know the answer, email us at grox at hotmail.com. Uh, you want to win anything, 
but you may just uh, slim down a little more. And that's all for this week's edition of Berkeley Grox. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Berkeley Grox, email us at grox at hotmail.com. For Berkeley Grox, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and stay tuned for more music with your host, Mr. Pixel.